are listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Quick recap, we're in the Not a Fan series. Uh, last, first time we talked about fan or follower, we were just kind of doing this thing called DTR, and that means define the relationship. And I challenged all of us, including myself, to evaluate and define your relationship with Jesus. Are you finding more things in your life that fall into the fan category with Jesus or the follower category of Jesus? And so many of you maybe have gone on that journey and thought it was interesting and you're like, wow, okay, Lord, you've revealed some things to me. Last week I talked about Jesus defining his relationship with us, that he doesn't leave any room for guessing. He, doesn't, he puts all of his cards on the table. He tells you who he is, where he came from, what he's about, and what he's inviting you to be a part of. There's no head games in the relationship with Jesus. He puts everything out on the table available for you. And ev- anyone is welcome, but it requires everything of you. Anyone is welcome, but it requires everything of you. And so those are the couple places that we've been so far. And today we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about uh, intimacy and what it looks like to have intimacy. Now, intimacy in that word um, is kind of misguided a little bit when we think about it. I don't know what the first thing that popped into your head when I said the word intimacy, but most people think of something that would be maybe even more physical. Um, And to be truthful, that's a very tiny, tiny part of intimacy. That's a tiny part of intimacy in married couples' lives most of the time. Uh, Intimacy is so much more. There's, There's spiritual intimacy and there's emotional intimacy and there's lots of different types of intimacy that are required for relationship. And so today, when you think about intimacy, think about this phrase, into me, you get to see. Say that with me. Into me, you get to see. Now that implies that you would have to actually do something to open yourself up to let people see the real you. To let people know the real struggles that you have. To let people into your life to be vulnerable, to be lots of different things. And so when I think about intimacy, I think that followers of Jesus are intimate with him. Fans of Jesus know about him. It's like the stats. I was thinking about this uh, in a conversation I had on Tuesday um, since I do life with Adam and Kathy, uh, I asked him to come over and help me uh, run some cabling down to the shop. And Adam and I were doing some heavy-duty cable running work down there. And our gals were sitting in the hot tub, hanging out while we were working in jackets, cutting ourselves, crawling underneath the house, doing all kinds of manly stuff. And I remember afterwards, we were sitting there, in, or before at, uh, at dinner, we were sitting there, and I was talking about Gonzaga specifically the Gonzaga basketball team. I know that Kathy's dad, he likes Gonzaga and basketball team. So I'm going through this thing. I'm like, all right, like they don't follow him as much as Gonzaga, as much as I do. And I love our Idaho Vandals, by the way, too. And our Washington State Cougars. I just have followed Gonzaga for a long time. I've, I've fanned him for a long time. And so I remember, I'm like, okay, let me tell you about this guy. Well, this, uh, Drew Timmy's from Texas, and he had 38 points on the other night. And, and he's, he's, you know, what I thought about, oh, let me tell you, my favorite player is Ben Gregg, and he doesn't play enough. And da-da-da-da. He's from Oregon. He came when he was 17 years old during COVID year, and that didn't count. I had all this junk of these stats that I knew about Gonzaga basketball. Now, do I know Drew Timmy? Well, I've seen him on an advertisement for, I don't know Drew Timmy. 
I don't know what's important to him outside of basketball. I don't know Ben Greg. I don't know these players. I know about them. Many fans of Jesus know about Jesus. You know the stats of Jesus. Here's some stats from Jesus. He's the son of God. Great stat. He died an earthly death on the cross. And how many days was it that he rose afterwards? Oh, you guys know the stats. It was three days. Well, that's cool. You know, he performed like 37 miracles, recorded 37, put up 37 miracles. His mom was Mary. He was born of a virgin. He made disciples. Oh, and the location of his miracles here, we know it's right here. It happened in this area. Like we have all these stats about Jesus. Similar to I have all the stats about these Gonzaga players. But do you know Jesus? The word for to know in the text is yada. Say yada. And we first see this is the principle of first mention here is that Adam knew Eve. He yadad Eve. And we're like, <laughs> like he knew her like, no, like it's probably more than just the physical part of knowing her. They were connected. Their souls were connected. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helpmate. I will bring somebody along that will be complete because there's something incomplete about him being by himself. Yada means to know and to be known completely. A couple more examples for you guys. So I'm married to this lady named Carrie Gray. How many people know who Carrie Gray is? Ooh, some people. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you guys are big fans of Carrie Gray. Excellent. Okay. Um, you may know who what her birthday is because you're a Facebook friend of hers, and Facebook tells you every time. You're like, oh, happy birthday. Super close. Do you know what her favorite candle is that she loves? Do you know what her favorite drink is? You may know that she has children. Do you know their names? Do you know where they are? Do you know what's going on in her life? Do you know that Carrie is not her, it's just her first name. Here's some, you're going to know her better. Her first name is Carrie Ann. Many of you probably didn't know that. You know what her middle name is? She doesn't have one. So when you think about stats and knowing somebody, that funnel gets much smaller. Like there's a couple ladies in here that know my wife much better. They know more about her. They know her hurts. They know the things that pain her. They do life with her. Last one. I know my sermon club's like, you got too many examples, but this was too good to pass up. How many people, keep your hand up here, okay? How many people have ever seen a picture of the Grand Canyon? Keep your hand up, okay? How many people have been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, less of us. How many people have hiked down into the bottom of the Grand Canyon? Boom, one, two, three, four. How many people have ever rafted on the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon? Dang it. Nobody. One, where? Right there. I would surmise that our good friend knows Yada, the Grand Canyon, more than those of us who just saw a picture of it. 
more than those of us who just went there and like, <laughs> wow, big hole. All right, back on the bus. Or the people that have had sweat and tears hiking down the Grand Canyon and feeling the earth beneath their feet and getting to the bottom and going, oh no. Oh no, I got to go back. Get me out of here. See, the word yada in our Older Testament, yada is used to describe God's relationship with you and I. To be known and to be known completely. Think about this. God knows you. For me, early on in my walk, I had to figure out what does that mean? What does it mean that God knows me? Is he a stalker? Like some creepy, like he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake? Just kidding. Some people get that. No. This is a knowing, like a creator God who created something that he sees and he says, man, it's very good. And he desires that it to know him and that he knows it intimately. He knows how he built it. He cares about it. This is like a father or a mother with a baby that you want to know. You know, you're looking at the needs of your baby. What does your baby? Oh, it's crying. Mom knows. Dad's like, Hoo. like the mom knows somehow. And you're like, I don't know. Here. Nope, that didn't work here, mom. Not all, not all, not all dads are that way. But to know and to care for and to be there for and to support and to walk with and to cry with and to live with, to be known. It's not a judgment type of knowing. It's not a, uh, 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 like a, whoa, what did you do wrong knowing? It's a Intimacy. He knows you. Do you know him in the same way? Do you even desire to know him in the same way? Question I was asking myself. I'm very busy. You know, Lord, I'm running a church. I don't really have that much time for you. (laughs) Stop. I want to take you to Psalm 139 in your Bible. This is a Psalm of David. He's talking about being known. And I'll break it out a little bit here more for you. It says, you have searched me, Lord. I thought that was interesting this morning as I was praying over the message. And I was like, I wonder what, let me dive in here. What does this search mean? And it's hakar. is the word for Searched. And it means diligent, difficult probing. It means deeply explored. You have deeply explored me, Lord. You know the depths about me, Lord. It says, and you know me. Guess what the word is for no? Yada. To be known, to be completely known. You, yada. When I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. 
you are familiar with all my ways. I looked up familiar this morning. Blue letter Bible, so cool, right? Familiar. uh, It was uh, Zakan. And familiar means to be intimately acquainted. You are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Yada. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and too lofty for me to attain. They're looking at what God knows about us, that he has this desire that he knows you. How many people that kind of scares you a little bit when you're like, well, how much does he know about me? What does he know? I kind of lock this thing up here. I don't want, uh, he knows everything. Oh, bummer. I'm going to have a rough go of it. Versus choosing to be completely known. Choosing to be intimate with him. You see, because into me, you get to see. So there's a risk of being known, isn't there? There's a risk of being known on the stage. There's a risk of, of, of you guys know probably a lot more about me than I get to know about you because you hear my stories. And struggling to continue to be real, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to, to be a strong leader, but to share with you when I'm broken. I'm not a good hider of emotions on my face if you haven't been able to tell. I'm a good crier. But what does it look like to be intimate with the Lord? What are the risks? Because if you really knew me, then... Dot, 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 fill in the blank. I could never be real, real. You might reject me. Last night I was uh, watching a documentary because I, I like documentaries. And I was watching this documentary on something we're going to be talking about in our next sermon series. And the most intriguing part of this documentary is when people began to get raw and real about why they were doing what they were doing. And there was no more facade. And you could see things breaking down. And there was an immediate connection to that realness. I've heard that comment made about our church on occasion. That it's like called real life for a reason. And that we know for sure the people on this stage don't have it all together. And that anyone is welcome here and that we're a church that wants people to come and experience community. We talk about getting involved in community. We try and be real. We do not always succeed, but that is the goal. There's a quote from Kyle Ottoman. The series is based on his book called Not a Fan. And he says this, Honestly, intimacy can be pretty scary. It involves allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And many people fear intimacy with others and with God because they know that vulnerability and pain go hand in hand. So many people have experienced a betrayal or a crushing blow from someone close to them. They opened up they made themselves vulnerable and they and someone let them down. 
I think that the world and our culture fights true intimacy. Everything is put on with a filter. Lots of filters to make sure you don't see the real me, that you don't get to see into me. And that has carried out into our relationship with God. I want to spend some time in the next piece of text in Luke chapter 7. And we're going to go back to this idea that being a fan, having knowledge about Jesus, having all that stuff is not bad. First of all, I hope you're still studying God's word every week. I hope that you're still on a Bible reading plan. I hope that you're in relationship, that you're talking with him. Like knowledge is not a bad thing at all. We should be pursuing what it looks like to know God more and know more about him as long as that leads to more intimacy. Don't get caught in the trap of trying to look like a follower, but being a fan in your heart. Having information about God, but not doing anything with that information. Not letting it change you and mold you and guide you. So join with me in Luke 7. My Bible uh, titles this, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Now, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, a Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. All right, who's a, what's a Pharisee? Pharisees are the smart people. They have all the knowledge, right? This Pharisee would have had, uh, if he was a Pharisee, he had all five books of the Torah memorized. And then if he, uh, at age 15, he would have had the next set of books memorized. This guy had, he would have, he would have known all 300 prophecies about the Messiah. He has the information in his head he knows far more than this next character, this sinful woman. So he invites him to have dinner with him and then went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house and she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. A lot of scholars would say that this is a jar that uh, a woman of the city would wear. It would be super, super valuable to her. It would identify what maybe her occupation is. And her occupation is, is probably prostitution. Uh, these are all things the scholars would look at. And so she has this alabaster jar, something that would be very valuable to her, that would be her livelihood. And so um, she stood uh, behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them up with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Okay. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One of, one of uh, them, 500 denarii, 500 days of work, and the other 50 denarii. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. 
And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You do not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the guests began uh, to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Who knew Jesus more intimately? Who moved with acts of intimacy? Actually, it's interesting to know in that culture that this Pharisee missed a bunch of things that you would do. And Jesus acknowledges them in the end of the text. At a, at a high honored place, if you had a guest in your home that you invited to your home, you would kiss them on their face. You'd be greet them with a holy kiss. Like, that's a, we're so glad you're here. If it was an even higher honored guest, you wouldn't even dare touch their face. You might kiss their hand. But the Pharisee did neither. An honored guest would have the feet, their feet washed by the host. So you'd come in, and all of a sudden, you'd be sitting there when they weird you came to my house, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Take your shoes off. Like, what are you doing? Don't touch my feet. Gross. You know, one of the most powerful times that I had in regards to that example, I was, uh, got the privilege of attending a youth camp a number of years back, and I was in the eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade boys' cabin. I made it. One of the exercises, and these boys, they're all grown up now. They're probably college age. These boys were girl crazy, right? And it's like there's, you know, all this stuff. We're sitting at this camp. And one of the exercises was the cabin host to wash their feet. And so I started going through and washing these dirty, nasty feet of these boys. It was the most profound experience in the whole camp for them. Like their little girlfriends are trying to call them outside and this is taking some time and we're talking and as we're washing feet, we're giving blessings and we're doing these things. It just stopped and froze things in time because we were becoming more intimate and getting to know each other and what made each other tick. It didn't matter what was going on in the outside world. It mattered what was going on right now. See, an honored guest would have his feet washed by the host. A less honored guest would have the servant wash their feet or at least given a bowl of water to wash their own feet. An honored guest might have their head anointed with a, maybe a, a valuable oil. A less honored guest might have be given some cheap oil to anoint themselves. Yet this lady pours out who she is represented in that perfume on the feet of Jesus. You see, the Pharisee knew about the Messiah. Knew what the Messiah was supposed to look like. Knew the Bible really well. 
he was a big fan of Jesus. Well, I don't even know if he wasn't a fan of Jesus. He was a fan of what the Messiah was supposed to be. But he didn't know. He didn't yada who was in his presence. See, fans choose knowledge. It's really popular in our culture to be smart about lots of things. But followers choose intimacy. It's interesting in our sermon club as we were going through this and, and, and wrapping this up, we were like, okay, yeah, the woman, and she's there, and like all those things. And then we were talking about, okay, like are gals better at this part of intimacy and could they figure it out? And why does it not feel like... Where's the dude doing this? Like, what, what, like the guys, where are the guys involved in intimacy with God? And it was funny, even in our sermon club, we turned it into a joke. Like, we couldn't, like, wrestle with it right then and there. Now we had to, like, wrestle through it a little bit about, like, what does it look like for a man to be intimate with Jesus? What does it look like for you to be intimate with Jesus? When have you ever been the closest to Jesus? What is the rhythm of intimacy with you and Jesus Christ? I don't know about you guys, but as I was going through this and being reminded of this, I'm like, holy smokes. I'm a fan of him a lot. It's taking everything to learn how to be a follower of Jesus. Probably one of the times on a weekly basis that I'm most intimate with Jesus is Sunday morning when I'm in my office. Usually get there around 5.45, 6 o'clock, and I'll crank up some worship music. I'll sit there and I'll worship and sing really good in there. It's amazing. And I'm singing because I want to be intimate with Jesus. I want to know from him what he wants to be shared. Now, that doesn't mean that everything I've ever shared from the stage is from Jesus. <laughs> Let's caveat that because it's Josh Gray. But I'm like, what's the main point, Lord? What are you desiring your people to know? And I'll worship and I'll worship and I'll worship and I'll open my Bible and I'll read and I'll, and I'll change the message and I'll have to go tell the guys in the tech room that I changed something. But what does it look like for you? Where do you find your times of being completely known by Jesus? And what would be the value of that? I had somebody tell me this morning, uh, I'm going to quote Kelsey, but she quoted it from C.S. Lewis. Um, But about this heart. If you lock up your heart and you never, you protect it. And you never let anybody into your heart. You never let anybody see you, but your heart is safe. You don't risk. The quote was like, well, what's a heart for anyway then? How can a heart be loved? How can a heart be known when it's all locked up? And I would challenge some of you in here today, if it's you. You locking up from Jesus? Are you afraid to be completely known by Jesus because he may ask you to do something that you're uncomfortable with? He may ask you to move, to become a follower. 
Don't just know about Jesus. Learn how to be intimate with him. We're going to take this time and go to the Lord's Supper. I don't know anything more intimate than this. To be fully known, to be fully discovered, to be fully laid bare on the cross. So if you're new with us um, and you didn't grab communion, we have some guys walking down there. They'll get you a communion. It's a cup and juice. We get the privilege of doing this every week. We get to come to the Lord and evaluate. What did it look like? Lord, where am I missing out on this? So I want you to take a moment here and let's just be directed in prayer with God and see where he's taking us as we come to a very intimate moment with knowing our Lord. Father God, this, this time on earth for us is, is but a whiff of time. It's a tiny dot in eternity. And Lord, you've laid it on me that there is no time to play around with being a fan. Lord, I desire to be fully known by you. Help me open up in the places where, where I'm hiding from you. Reveal that to, to me, Lord. Reveal that to us in here. Where are we hiding from you? Where are we not letting you in? Where are the difficult parts in our lives that we're saying, no, not, not into me, not there, you don't get to see? That's too hurtful. That's too deep of a scar. And Lord, you laid yourself bare on the cross. You said here into me the world gets to see what I'm about. And we get to respond. We can respond like a Pharisee and just keep learning more about you and be viewed highly by men and by culture for our great, our great wisdom and the information we have about you. Or we can do that and be super intimate with you. Where people would know more about you, not because of our knowledge of you, but because of how intimate we are with you and how it changes our heart to be available to be that way with others. So Lord, I just asked for prayer over everyone in here that this week you move mightily into their hearts that there are times where we want to hide and we say, no, into me, Lord, you get to see everything. Lord, let that happen this week for us. Let it happen for me, Father. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took that bread and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here it is. Here I am. Here's everything about me. Take it and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. You can have it all, he says. Here is my very blood. And so, Lord, we just come to you. Father God, your name is powerful. Your word is powerful when it's implanted into the hearts of people who desire not just to know more about you, but to desire to experience you.
And your experience has changed us, Lord. It changes who we are and how we view the world and how we treat others. Lord, keep moving us closer to you in intimacy, Father. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.